M145. <laughs> Actually, we did this hymn several years back, not too long ago. Um, I actually learned it. I think we actually did it um, already for Easter for one of the services. Um, Chico, did, did that the one Chico played? Yeah. Okay. I am content. My Jesus ever lives. My Jesus ever lives. In whom my heart is pleased. In whom my heart is pleased. I am content. My Jesus ever lives. In whom my heart is pleased. I am content. My Jesus ever lives. In whom my heart is pleased. He has fulfilled the law of God for me. God's wrath he has appeased. God's wrath he has appeased. Since he in death could perish never. Since he in death could perish never. I also shall not die forever. I also shall not die forever. I am content, I am content. I am So, uh, the children have a, a simple song that says, Do you know who died for me? Jesus did. Um, the second part is, Do you know who rose for me? Jesus did. Jesus did. Um, the third stanza says, Do you know who lives for me? As it says here, uh, if we're going to talk about the resurrection, the one who died and, and, and rose again, and yet uh, this Jesus who has, unlike Lazarus, who was brought back from the dead by Jesus and then died again, our Jesus ever lives. Uh, he is risen from the dead and he is alive. Um, the fourth stanza, actually, of the children's a song is, Do You Know Who Cares For Me? That is, if our Jesus is living, he is taking care of us. We'll talk more about him taking care of us as we get to next uh, Wednesday, where it talks about the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep in order to, well, take care of the sheep. Uh, sounds like a contradiction, but uh, the one who lays down the life rose again, and he is alive. And so, as it says here, in whom my heart is pleased, my heart is set at rest, my uh, love for the Jesus who rose again and, and took away my sins. Why? Well, he has fulfilled the law of God for me. How did Jesus do this? How did he fulfill the law of God for me? What did he do? He obeyed the Ten Commandments perfectly. He obeyed the Ten Commandments perfectly. <laughs> Who was it that he? He? Jesus. What else? Who led the perfect life? Jesus, Jesus who is both true God, he had to put himself under the law for us. Uh, God commands us to keep the Ten Commandments. Who? Well, not him, us. And so he had to become like us in every way with the exception of sin. And so he became true man that he might live under the law for us uh, and as it says here, he might fulfill it. He might live that, that perfect life. Uh, what else did the law of God require? And here I'm not just talking about the commandments itself, but the, the word of God, the law of God, the Torah. What does it require? What did it require of those who have sinned? A sacrifice, a death. Exactly. Did Jesus fulfill that? Yes, he sacrificed himself. He died for us. And in that, 
the law says, well, the one who sins must die, or there, there will be a curse. He took it. He took that sin. He took that curse. He took that death uh, in our place. And so faith says he has fulfilled the law of God for me through faith. That is mine. It is uh, taken away. God's wrath, he has appeased. The scriptures say that God is angry at sin. Jesus took that wrath so that God's anger is not against us. Uh, instead, it has been shown against his son, even, or against his son, and we saw even the uh, uh, star called our sun hit its light uh, at the uh, being forsaken by the heavenly Father. Since he in death could perish never. Um, that is, it wasn't the end of him. Uh, it was only three days. It was only temporary. Uh, it did not defeat him. So also it will not for us too. I also shall not die forever. Everyone, I also shall not die forever. I am content, I am content. All right. I am content, my Jesus never lives, in whom my heart is God for me, God's wrath he has appeased, since he in death could perish never, I also shall not die forever, I am content. We've gone through the six chief parts of the catechism. Those are one, Ten Commandments. Two, Apostles' Creed. Three, Lord's Prayer. Sometimes we call that as the summary, uh, Luther says, for, for the simple. That's a good start. Four, Baptism, holy baptism, sacrament of baptism, five. Confession, absolution, confession, absolution office of the keys, six. Lord's Supper. Supper, sacrament of the altar. Um, those are the six chief parts. Put those all together. There were some appendix that were added on uh, to the small catechism. Uh, there were the 20 questions with their answers, the Christian questions with their answers. We've uh, gone through those. Uh, there was the table of duties uh, was added as well. Um, we're going to take a look at that uh, beginning tonight. That's not found in your uh, blue hymnal. I did put some of those books. I probably need to get some more of those. Um, but I did put some of those uh, in the back if you want to uh, follow along or bring your uh, your catechism. Uh, there were actually a couple others that were added from time to time. Uh, even with the Office of the Keys, they put a short order for confession in there. Uh, in some places, a baptismal booklet, uh, that is the order of baptism, was added to it uh, in printed editions of the catechism. Uh, I think there was even the order of marriage that was kind of stuck in with the catechism. All right, we're taking a look at the table of duties. The table of duties. It says, certain passages of scripture for various holy orders and positions, admonishing them about their duties and responsibilities. So, it's simply a list. It's going to be a list of Bible passages. That's what we're going to learn. Nevertheless, it says, for various holy orders. Hmm. Oh, 
So what do, what do you think holy orders? Sounds pretty important, huh? Uh, it probably needs a Latin name or something in order to, uh, uh, for the holy order of sacristan or bishop or and, and uh, Franciscan monk kind of thing. You, you're, you're expecting for the order of uh, order of Vestal Virgin. I don't know. You know what? Uh, um, what's Luther getting at here? Holy orders. Any of you guys in holy orders? Yeah. What about it, Jane? Vocation, you're saying. That sounds pretty fancy, too. <laughs> Vocation. Hmm. Well, the Catholic Luther sign the holy orders is he's a monk, but the vows they took. And he's probably trying to point out that that's nothing. Everybody has a vocation. I think that's exactly what Luther is getting at. You're right. Very good. And it's not man-made like... Right, and so often the monks would come and they would consider, them, you know, we went away, we have devoted ourselves, we are in a holy order, you know, and the people went, ooh, you know, and so how, do you, how could you tell? Well, you had your monk robe and you had your hair shaved and you had, you know, and, and you didn't get married and so all that was all, and so people would look and so even the monks themselves said, oh, this is more important than even baptism itself. Um, but it was all human made. It was all a lie. Uh, was it holy? No, as Karn said, it was not set apart by God. Exactly. Uh, when we talk about vocation, um, fancy word for job or your place in life uh, that, that you have been given, uh, maybe you might not consider being a husband or a wife your job, something you call vocation, meaning you know, your place, what, what uh, God has, has given you to do. Um, a, uh, a Muslim could be a father or a mother. And here Luther kind of talks about these holy orders and, and positions, uh, admonishing about their duties and responsibilities. Hmm. There are some vocations, as in father, or we would even say as in marriage, that is not exclusively given to those who are Christian. Uh, it was established in the Garden of Eden. It is given to all upon the earth. And so, yes, there are duties and responsibilities that would come with that. We might, for example, uh, as we'll get to, we might talk about uh, the duty of parents, a father and a mother, and we might say, yes, uh, as it comes, obviously the material support of those children and the rearing of them would, would fit for whether you're Christian or whether you're not. Nevertheless, there may be, as Luther says, now, if you're going to be a Christian in this particular order of being a father or a mother, it would also include, as so we've come tonight, to bring your children, that they might be taught the faith, to provide for them spiritually. Yes, okay. So there are some things in which we would uh, uh, attend to that as well, and we might put it, and I think Luther will pull these out. Obviously, as we start here, we're going to start with the very first, uh, to bishops, pastors, and preachers. Bishops, pastors, and preachers. Sometimes they divide the pastoral office, uh, which is all those who have been placed in this uh, Christ's stead uh, as a pastor. Sometimes, based upon the duties that they have been given, uh, some bishops have been given to watch over the preaching and teaching of other pastors, in addition to the second thing being their own congregation, for they are also a, a pastor themselves uh, in, in, in God's church. Uh, there were also those that we would call deacons that were given limited responsibilities. Uh, it may be like, like Pastor Arun, which sometimes I call Deacon Arun, who, uh, as a retired, says, well, no, I'm, I, I can do all of it, absolutely. Nevertheless, 
We ask him to help out from time to time, especially on the vacation, things of that sort. So limited in duties. In other times, you might employ someone uh, who is in the pastoral office and say, I simply want you to take care of the catechesis, or I want you to take care of the visitation, or I want you to... And so, as it says here, of preachers, that was often kind of the distinction. You needed someone who was going to preach, and yet maybe he wasn't going to uh, uh, take care of the entire congregation, but we just needed some help in those ways. But all of them were called and ordained into the office. So, to bishops, pastors, and preachers. First one is 1 Timothy 3, verses 2 through 4. Repeat after me. The overseer must be above reproach. The The husband of but one wife. Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. The overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife. So, can the pastor be a sinner? <laughs> Does he have to be a sinner? Yes. 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 Um, as it rates right now, uh, absolutely. Um, and so, When we say that he is to be above reproach, that doesn't mean that he never sins or never falls into sin. But instead to be above reproach, that there is not an ongoing or a a sin that can be held against him. Uh, You might say in the same way that uh, uh, sometimes in the secular world we talk about a conflict of interest. If, if there is an ongoing sin that, that he is involved in, you know, he, he's a pretty good guy, you know, but uh, he's the owner of a, of a strip joint. Uh, you know, that's a conflict of interest. That is what? Not above reproach, obviously. What do we mean, above reproach? Well, he is one who holds to those scriptures, who confesses his sin, um, and yet there is not something that is outstanding that can be held against him. Or we would also say, uh, in the recent past, in which you can look upon that and say, mm, ah, makes me wonder about, about him. No, we, you know, there's going to be enough uh, when the pastor is preaching the word of God and especially when he's preaching the law and pointing out sins, people aren't going to like it and they're going to complain about him. We don't want anything else to get in the way. To be above reproach. How about the husband of but one wife? Hmm. I was ordained in 1991, June 30th, I got married in 1992, June 13th, almost a year, I was the husband of but no wife. Could I be a pastor? So what's it saying? When, yes, exactly. And so, um, correct, we're not talking about serial marriage either. Uh, This is one in which we would say, especially in the times uh, in which there may have been those in uh, pagan who had more than one wife or had a concubine or had this, we say, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, This is the way, if there is a wife, he is to have one. That That is to be his wife. Like Moses, uh, if his wife dies, can he remarry? Absolutely. Uh, that is not uh, forbidden uh, at all. The, this also is used by St. Paul and, and, and others uh, to teach about how uh, Christ and his bride, the church, and that he is faithful. 
And if he manages, the pastor manages his own family well, he is teaching us about the way Christ loves only one bride, that is his church. Uh, there's to be no idols or idolatry involved uh, among them. So, the husband of but one wife. Temperate. Able to uh, be well-mannered. Um, Self-controlled. Uh, not... Uh, always needing someone to watch over him, not needing someone to enforce as if somehow the law needs to be held over his head, but one uh, who has that gift of, of self-control from the Holy Spirit. Uh, respectable, uh, respect, hospitable, able to uh, comfort. Uh, it can have the, the idea of, as you would invite someone over and entertain, but even in the sense that you would go to a hospital in order to receive care and comfort, that he would be a caregiver, that he would uh, be able to comfort others, that he would be able to teach. What's involved here? involved with able to teach. You better know the word of God so when you assign people what it is, he gets it right. He has to get it right. All right, so first of all, he's got to be trained to know the content. You're right. He's got to know that word of God himself uh, because that is what he has to teach. To be apt to teach or able to teach then, anything else required? Um, yes, we do. We want to make sure that uh, he can impart that knowledge. Obviously, it's not one in which you would get frustrated with those, in which you would be able to uh, vocalize the faith, that you would be able to bring it. Uh, true. Brian? Okay. Going with that which came before, and I think you're exactly right, that there is also this uh, that, all right, he knows what it is that he is doing, therefore he needs to be able to deliver it um, and, and thus to receive it as, all right, this is an authority. Also be able to teach where the people can understand you in layman. Yes. You, you can go up there and teach in Latin if you want to, but... That may not help you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm assuming part of your training in seminary was learning how to teach. There is also... Yes, there's style, there's technique, there is how do you do this, what do you say. Um, yes, and I would say each one has different, uh, some are, are do much better with a paper outline, others use extemporaneous, some use more stories than others, uh, absolutely, I mean, I don't think that, you know, you do it, but, but yes, you do it to learn that as well. And, and that is very difficult. Yes. Uh, normally, we would say that, for example, this coming sum, summer with Josiah, that the pastor will get together, will examine his doctrine, his confession. And so we, we do, you know, what comes out his mouth. Um, and we want to make sure that he's, he doesn't, you know, he's going to tell us, I believe in one God. There are three persons, and yet there is one God. If what comes out his mouth is there are three parts to God. You know, we know that's not, you know, that's not correct. That's not the sound words. That's not the teaching. So yes, we are going to, but you're right. There may be other ways in which uh, we, 
uh, not so much style as is uh, the, the content and the delivery of that content in the sound, in sound words as well. Okay, next part. Not given to drunkenness. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. Obviously, there are things that can get in the way of a pastor with respect, with teaching, with giving it uh, um, uh, violentness, drunkenness, uh, simply always arguing, being a quarrelsome, or uh, desiring of, of, of money. Uh, obviously, these things can uh, get in the way of that teaching. He must manage his own family well. And see that his children obey him with proper respect. And so as it talks about taking care of the family of God, so we also say the pastor must be able to take care of his own family. How is he going to take care of the family of God? If he's going to be a, a, a father who teaches his uh, congregation, he also needs to be a father at home who teaches his children. If he is going to be gentle with his wife, he also is going to be gentle with those uh, who are of his congregation and that are, are coming as the bride of Christ to learn from. And so uh, this lays out, uh, as it says, the overseer. Another name for the pastor. What is he? He is overseeing. He is watching over. What's he watching over? He's watching over the doctrine. He's watching over the life of his congregation, of, of the people. Uh, so that he might bring them uh, biblical counsel and, and, and teaching. So he also has to know his, his congregation. 1 Timothy 3, verse 6, the next passage. He must not be a recent convert. He must not be a recent convert. Or he may become conceited. And fall under the same judgment as the devil. As we've been looking at the book of Galatians in Bible class, conceited uh, is connected with the word for pride. And so we don't want someone who is prideful. We don't want someone who thinks he is better than others or thinks that he knows it all or he now is uh, the great gift that, that you know, God can't do without. Instead, he needs to realize, and usually this comes with practice, it comes with time, it comes with leading the Christian life and, and realizing your failures, that you are able then, uh, not as a recent convert, but being able to see this continuing. Uh, there are many of those who would like to have the flash in the pan. I want someone who is going to be consistent in teaching the word of God. Absolutely. Um, that teaches perseverance. It teaches patience. Very good. Very good suffering. Luther says the three ways that you make a theologian are, you don't have to say it in Latin if you don't want to, meditatio, tentatio, and no, another tatio. What are the three things? Meditation, Meditation is prayer. study of God's word and prayer. Tentatio is the suffering. Mark's, Mark's really good. The, the I'm wheels. I'm guessing temptation, but I don't really know. No. Um, what did you say? Prayer. prayer. Oratio is prayer. Right. Meditatio is study of God's word. Oratio is prayer. And tentatio is, is the suffering. The three ways and uh, the, the three things needed to make a theologian. See, if I was up on my Latin, I'd know that. You would, <laughs> if I said it in Russian, then you would have got it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'll have to spend some time in the gulag for that. Titus 1, verse 9. 
He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. All right. There is a trustworthy message. That is the word itself, the teaching along gospel, uh, the Christian faith, if you will. He's got to hold firmly to that and not veer uh, from it. Uh, as it has been taught, and so he studies the church, as this has been taught, that he might hold, and it says, uh, that he might encourage others by sound doctrine. Uh, if a boat is sound, it has no holes in it. It will hold water. It will. You want a doctrine, a teaching that you can, that will hold you up. Uh, you don't want one that is riddled with errors and holes. And so he, he needs to present that in, uh, in good words that can be held on to and that will uh, endure, as well as refute those who are going to oppose it. And uh, he has to point out the wolves and the false teaching as well. Questions? Page 224, light the candles, we'll begin. As we get to festival seasons, the number of candles increases, the number of banners increases, there's flowers, there's a repetition, more uh, fancy songs, hallelujahs. That's what you have with Easter. We have three high festivals, Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. Uh, the world loves Christmas. Uh, Christians usually come out for Easter. Uh, Pentecost still doesn't have its due yet, but uh, we're rejoicing. Page 224, please stand. All of the Alleluia's return. O oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Responsory is on page 227, following the reading. The reading is on the back of the bulletin, John 20, verses 19 through 31. Then, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any... They are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, 
I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Here ends the reading. Page 227. Christ speaks being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The hymn is 145. I am content. I am content. 
out by saying that same day. What same day? The same day as as the resurrection. The same day as he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead early in the morning by the time the women get there and the sun is coming up and the stone is rolled away by the angel and the earthquake. He is not there. He is risen. Uh, but here it says that evening that day uh, Jesus did uh, make a couple of appearances to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. She thought he was the gardener. Um, to the women as they're walking back, to uh, uh, Peter, I think. Uh, also to the two disciples that were trying to leave and go to Emmaus thinking that the gig was done, he's dead, forget it. Uh, and yet they didn't recognize him until the breaking of the bread, and then they rushed back. And so it is that same night, Easter Sunday night, uh, says it is the first day of the week. Uh, Saturday was the Sabbath, the last, uh, the seventh day of the week. Uh, the doors were shut. What are they doing shut? And locked. Shut and locked. Disciples are worried that the authorities are coming for them. You bet. If they killed Jesus... Well, he's proud. they're probably next on, on the list, the ones who uh, were with him. And so they got fear. They're fear of the Jews. They're fearing for their own necks. Uh, you might remember in the, in the garden, they all ran away. Um, okay, and so while they're there with the door being shut, it said that Jesus came and stood in the midst, or as we do on uh, gospel processions, he's standing in the middle in the middle of the congregation. He, there he is, right in the middle of them, that night uh, gathered in the room, the doors being locked. How'd he get in there? He just appeared. Uh, Jesus now with his, uh, he's still true God and true man, uh, as uh, he tells them, I'm not... Uh, You've got to check my hands, check my side. In another gospel, he says, I'm not a spirit. Uh, you can see, check, I've got flesh and bones. And yet, Jesus, his modes of appearing after his resurrection are not limited to what we call a local mode. I am locally present here. I'm not locally present over there. Uh, I occupy space and time. Uh, he appears and, and is not there. Uh, come through the door. Well, I don't know that he has to come through anything. Or uh, Jesus is where he uh, wants to make himself known to us. So there he is in the middle. He says to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He appears and says to them, peace be with you. What are these first words? These peace be with you. Do they need peace? Apparently they need it. What kind of peace is he giving them? Well, the key is, as he says this, he shows them his hands, shows them his wounds. Why is he showing him his wounds and telling them peace? Uh, that would sound like to me, like, here's what they did to me. That wouldn't that inspire fear? Uh, they're going to do this to you, too. Aha! Here's what was happened. This is him showing them the price of the forgiveness of sins. 
I am your savior. I am who I said I am. And I have won your peace. Um, are they going to hunt down the apostles? Eventually. Yep, they are. Uh, in fact, except for John, we're pretty sure that all of them were martyred and, and some others. Um, and yet they have a peace. It's not a worldly peace. It's a peace with God, a peace with conscience, a peace so that, as St. Paul said, whether I'm in plenty or in want, I've learned to be content uh, that the Lord has, has provided for me. These words, peace be with you, are words of absolution. They are words of forgiveness. They are Jesus coming to him saying, your sins are forgiven. When I said it is finished, here's what I meant. Your sins are taken away. I am the Savior that I promised you all along. I have restored your relationship with the Heavenly Father. And so he shows them the price, and he says, peace be with you. It says that the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You might remember uh, from Sunday, the gospel reading for Easter Day is always that short gospel from Mark 16 in which he says to the women, go and tell the apostles and Peter that I have risen from the dead. Why should they tell Peter? Because he denied Christ. He needs the forgiveness of sins. What about the others? Well, actually, when Peter was saying, uh, I'll never deny you, the others said the same thing. Um, whenever they're in the garden, they all ran away. Um, this is Jesus coming back, forgiving them their individual sins, forgiving their sins uh, against him. He is not angry. He doesn't come back, uh, um, coming back to harm them. I'm back. You disowned me. I'm going to get you. Peace. Peace. The slate is wiped clean. So he comes, giving them the forgiveness of sins and showing them uh, the price. And when he had said this, uh, okay, so, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Same words. One more time. But the actions that go with it are different. So he said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he comes to them saying, peace be with you, and he breathes on them. Why now does he breathe on them? The second words, peace be with you, is doing something different. The first was an absolution, a forgiveness of sins with the hands. This one, this is an ordination. This is, and to ordain someone is to send them out. As I send you, that's what ordination means, to send someone out. And so he says, just as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. What's the breathing? Giving of the Holy Spirit, the word for breath and spirit, same word in, in Greek. And so what is he doing? He's sending them out, and he's giving them the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's make sure we get it right. The Holy Spirit in the scriptures is always given for one of two things, either one for, for faith. Do they have faith already? Yep. What's it going on here? They need the Holy Spirit for the second reason the Holy Spirit is given to, for an office, for doing of work. The Holy Spirit then motivates, the Holy Spirit empowers, the Holy Spirit gives. And so, having given them the, uh, uh, forgiven them their sins, now once again, he speaks the words of peace be with you, the forgiveness of sins, as it relates to, I'm sending you out, I'm giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit, as the Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. There it is. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is what they are ordained to do. 
You can talk about what the pastoral office is given to do, those who are being ordained or sent out by Jesus. You can say that they're the preach the word of God. That's true. You can say preach the word of God and minister of the sacraments. That's true, for the word speaks that. You can say they're to preach law and gospel. That's true. You can say that they're to preach repentance and faith, belief. That's true. Jesus says, let's talk about it this way. They're to forgive sins and retain sins. That's what they are to do. If you forgive anyone his sins, I've sent you. So you're going as my representative. You forgive someone's sins, their sins are forgiven by me because I sent you out to do this. Now, obviously there are uh, reasons that the forgiveness of sins is given out. I don't simply go around and go, I like you, I'll give you forgiveness. I don't like you, it's tough. No forgiveness for you, unless you give me some money. And that's not the way that we give out the forgiveness of sins. Obviously, Jesus has taught that and is going to. But he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, as my representative, following my word, those sins are forgiven. If you retain sins, they are retained. Now, someone who sins, they already did it. But if I don't take them, if I retain them, what am I doing? Uh, it is, in effect, um, tying it to them. Binding, another word, we're talking about opening and unlocking or, or binding and loosing. Binding is, you might say, to retain says you can keep those sins. You, you did it, they're yours, keep them. Um, Jesus died for sin, but when I give the law and someone says to me, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't care, I'm going to keep doing it, I say, you, I retain your sins. Those, those sins are yours. Um, they are going to take you to hell um, unless you believe in Jesus Christ, unless you confess your sins and believe in Christ. That is the forgiving and the retaining of sin. The forgiving, we often talk about, this is the institution Sunday night of holy absolution. What is absolution? The forgiving of sins by the pastor as if from God himself, not doubting but firmly believing. That's what this is speaking of. Okay, um, usually I want to illustrate, i got a little bit more, but let me illustrate for you the three possibilities. Um, I have got... Uh, Jonathan, who comes confessing his sins, and I say, I forgive you all your sins. Hmm. I have got uh, Karin, who uh, is living in sin and is unrepentant, whatever, and I say, I retain your sins to you. And then I've got Sadie, who I don't know. Um, I don't know. I've never seen her before. Um, she just kind of wandered in here. I don't know anything about her. So, according to the scriptures, if you forgive, Jesus says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive, if you retain their sins, they are retained. If you retain their sins, they are retained. Um, is Jonathan forgiven? Yep, according to the, the word. Uh, is Karn forgiven? No, because I've retained her sins. What about Sadie? I didn't forgive. And I didn't retain. Um, this passage really doesn't speak to that point. Um, she may be a believer. She may not be a believer. She may be forgiven and saved, and I, I, I don't really know. Um, the reason that we prefer that translation, which is the New King James, that is one of the uh, changes that I've made in the catechism that we've been following for Luther says, don't be changing it all the time. Um, uh, from the NIV, as the NIV says this, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That one sounds as if, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. That would then put the unknown, the person I hadn't talked to, into the not forgiven camp. That's why we prefer the retain, which fits more closely with uh, the Greek, the original uh, that is found. Questions? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, that's Sunday night. Uh, problems. 
The two Emmaus disciples are there. There are Judas, obviously, has killed himself. He's not there. Um, there's someone else missing. Thomas. There's only ten apostles, the two from Emmaus, and then there's some of the women and some of the others that are there. Thomas isn't there that night. He's gone. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, now, Thomas called the twelve, was not with them. So the other disciples go and tell him, hey, you missed church, but Jesus showed up. And what does Thomas say? Baloney. <laughs> Baloney, I don't believe it. Um, what are the apostles? But the apostles are telling him, right? Shouldn't he believe because the apostles are telling him? Yes, they ought to. Are the apostles that? No, we call him what? Doubting Thomas. Yes, Jesus tells him, stop doubting and start believing. But what about the other apostles? What about the other ten? Until Sunday night, they didn't believe either. <laughs> the women came and told them, Peter told them, the two Emmaus came back, you know, the two from Emmaus said, yeah, they came and told us that you were, I wait, they're crazy women, I don't know what's going on. They didn't believe either until they saw. So, I don't push the doubting Thomas, I guess, too far. Uh, Thomas is with them. Um, he told the apostles, I am not going to believe unless I do some touching, right? Hand in his side, fingers in his prints. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. The eighth day, that's the way they count, puts us back on Sunday again. And Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. He does it again. He comes back at the gathering on Sunday. Then he said to Thomas, I want you to be my apostle. You have to have proof of the resurrection. You have to be a witness of it. Stop doubting and start believing. Don't be unbelieving, but be believing. Thomas checks him out. My Lord and my God. He says, Thomas, that he is blessed, but he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That is you, that is I. We believe based upon their message we believe because the apostles wrote it down. They touched him. They saw him. Uh, this is not a chance occurrence. This is not just delusional women on a Sunday morning kind of thing. This is the women. This is individuals. This is the apostles on three consecutive Sundays. This is 500 of the brothers at one time. This is Jesus showing over a period of 40 days. Um, there, there, there is as much proof you know, of this as any other historical personage in all of history. And so uh, Jesus did, as it says here, many other signs in the presence, but these are written so that we would believe. Everybody wants a miracle, but a miracle will not create faith. It is the word of God uh, that creates faith, and that is to whom he has given his Holy Spirit, that they might, by their preaching, by their writings, by their going out, create faith in our hearts. Questions? Prayers this evening. What should we ask God for, thank him for, confess, praise him for? Can I have one of each? You bet. Thank him for the gift of a preacher. We talked about the office of the ministry tonight. So all of these things we go, ah, thank you for a preacher to do those things. That we may see and believe without seeing. Okay. That we might ask him for uh, uh, that. To continue to be in true faith. Believing. To confess that we often have doubts. We too have doubts. Um, it's when we take our eyes off that word. And so we say, Lord, give us back that word again, because that's where the faith comes from, that I might be taught that very thing. Um, yes, we must confess that we have doubt. And finally, we need to praise him, because what kind of God do we have? A loving God who forgives us. A loving God who comes. First thing to tell us is forgiveness. That's what he wants. Um, that's the thing we have such trouble believing, isn't it? That we are, in fact, forgiven. All right. Our pink sheet, please stand. Oh, I have got the wrong one.
Give me a blue one. Thank you. That's why I put them on different colors. <laughs> the blue sheet. Actually, we'll use this for the rest of the festival season, so through the Easter season, and then we'll change. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 143. My prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. Do I enter into judgment with your servant? For in your sight, the one therein is righteous. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Remind me, O Lord, for your name's cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul for I am your servant Glory be to the Father and to the Son 
Grant, we implore you, Almighty God, that we who have celebrated the solemnities of the Lord's resurrection may, by the help of your grace, bring forth the fruits thereof in our life and conversation through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we confess that we often doubt uh, and we ask that you would continue to bring us your word. We thank you for the word of forgiveness, uh, the absolution, uh, and for the gift of a pastor. And we ask that uh, we might always be uh, thankful and desiring these gifts. We ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The final petition. O oh, most Amen. loving Father, who will us to give thanks for all things, and to dread nothing but the loss of thee, and to cast all our care upon thee who cares for us. Preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, and grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal, and which thou hast manifested unto us in thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.